Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. We know a lot, or I'm sorry, we do not know a lot about the childhood of Jesus. The Bible talks about when he was 12 years old in the temple. You know, we'll get into the story, but basically... uh, they went up to the temple where it was their normal custom because that's what they're required to do. And when they got ready to leave, they thought Jesus was playing with some of his friends in the caravan and they left. They traveled all day. They got ready to settle in for the night. And still they hadn't seen Jesus. They went walking around searching and come to realize he wasn't there. The next morning they get up, they go all the way back to the temple or the Jerusalem and they haven't found him on the way, so he must be somewhere in town. There's day two now. Next morning, they start looking and searching, and they found him in the temple, answering questions given by the Jewish scholars and commenting on the scriptures he knew. And that's where they found him at. And what's really interesting, if we go to Luke... Because that's where you're going to see this at. Uh, Luke, I believe it's chapter 3 or 4. Let's see. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm pretty sure it's Luke. Maybe not. Maybe Mark chapter 3 or chapter 4. Glory, hallelujah. Maybe John chapter 2 or 3. I know it's one of these chapter 2s or chapter 3s. Hallelujah. And, yes, John chapter 2. All right. And we'll begin reading in verse... Hold on, hold on. Good Lord. I thought I had it. Where's my notes at? What does it say? Go try Matthew. It's the only one we didn't look at. All right. Well, let's tell the story while I keep looking. Jesus was in the temple, and the mother found him, Mary found him in the temple, and he was, you know, she had, or he had made her upset. And she says, Son, why are you doing this? You know, your father and I have been looking for you. And his answer was, Ah, I was right all along. It is Luke chapter 2. How is it that you sought me? Verse 49. Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? Why would 
Why would a son give a smart aleck answer like that? That's that's what I was looking at. Because verse 48, well, we'll go to verse 46. It came to pass after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Verse 47, and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. That is a very important scripture. When they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you dealt like this with us? Your father and I have been, have been seeking you, sorrowing. They've been crying. They've been saddened. He said, How is it, verse 49, that you've been seeking me? Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? And they didn't understand the saying which he spoke to them. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, was subject to them. And his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and with man. Why is it Jesus would give a smart aleck answer? How is it you were seeking about me? Didn't you know I need to be about my father's business? That is an answer that we're going to study today. Because we don't know a lot about the boyhood of Jesus. From here, at age 12, where he's found in the, in the temple, in the midst of the scholars, and everyone being amazed at his understanding and his answers, all the way to the time of John the Baptist, we know nothing else about Jesus. There's nothing else written about him until he shows up at his baptism at John the Baptist at the Jordan River. So what happened between the birth and 12 and 12 and age 30? And that's what we're going to focus on now. Since the Bible is silent on these years and is not explained by the gospel writers... It's not because it's a secret. And we didn't want anybody to know that Jesus had to have his diapers changed or anything like that. What you need to do, the gospel writers are going to talk about the things outside of the norm concerning Jesus. Where they're silent, you can infer that his upbringing in these areas was consistent with the upbringing of other children in this area. Because we're going to look at the culture of the time, the traditions of the time, and what most of the other Jewish boys were doing in those years. You see, every Jewish boy wanted to grow up and become a rabbi. Kind of like Little League baseball teams or football teams here in America. If you ask most of the kids out on the field while they're playing, you know, what they want to be when they grow up, most would say, I want to play baseball or I want to play football or basketball. In other words, I want to be a professional athlete. Okay? And so it was with Jewish boys of that day. They wanted to be a rabbi. Why a rabbi? Rabbis were cool. Okay, they got the respect of everyone in town. They got to teach the people about the Word of God, which was the Torah and the prophets. 
They were able to help the priests, though, but for the most part, the rabbis were the ones who interacted with the people on a daily basis. Okay, the ones who came and ministered to the sick, the ones who came to take care of the widows and the orphans, the ones who taught Bible study classes, the ones that would see, you know, people would see them on the street and bow their heads at them and say, hello, rabbi, and all that. So for a young child, that was really cool. These must be some important people. I want to be a rabbi. So the next question is, how does one become a rabbi? Well, the qualifications for being a rabbi were really quite stringent. And it started almost immediately after birth for the boys, because they're the only ones that could do the job, with special emphasis starting as soon as they could understand speech. Now, one thing I want you to remember here, just like if you would ask you know, young men, young boys out on the baseball field, what do you want to be when they grow up? We know out of the millions of people that sign their kids up for Little League Baseball every year, only a handful will go on to play college baseball, and only a few select ones out of that group will go on to play college baseball, and only a few select ones out of that group will assign any type of baseball, professional baseball contract, and out of the ones that sign these contracts, only a very select few ever make it to the major leagues. So it's something like less than 1% actually make it to a full-time basis playing baseball for a major league team. Less than 1%. And it's the same thing with being a rabbi. Okay? The qualifications were quite stringent. As soon as a baby boy could understand and react to speech, so it started somewhere between, say, about 18 months old, then uh, the father of the house would begin speaking to the baby, teaching them the book of Leviticus. You see, the first step in becoming a rabbi, they had to have memorized by age six, not six and a half, age six, sixth birthday, here comes the test. They have got to be able to recite by memory the entire book of Leviticus. Verbatim, word for word, without error. If they could do that, they were admitted to what we would call elementary school. See, they just demonstrated they are smart enough to be able to remember vast amounts of material. Okay? If they could do that, they were admitted to what we would call elementary school, but in Jewish culture it was called Bet Safar. Bet, B-E-T, Safar, S-A-F-A-R. Now, if they could not recite the entire book of Leviticus through without error, they were sent home with the family, told just, you know, stay home with the family, learn the family trade, help provide for the family. Uh, you don't have what it takes to become a rabbi. That's pretty tough. That's pretty impactful to be told you're a loser when you're six years old. But that's the standard. Okay, It's pretty harsh, I understand. But that was the custom and the tradition of that day. 
You either made the team or got cut from the team. There was no, well, we'll let you fill the bench. No. I mean, how many people have ever... Uh, if you're listening to me right now and you've ever played any type of intramural sports or gym class sports or you know a pickup game in the neighborhood, how many of you have ever been cut from a team? I mean, it's not a pleasant feeling, is it? Okay. If a Jewish boy passes this test... The test of memorizing and reciting the entire book of Leviticus by age six, by his sixth birthday, word for word, then they were admitted to the Bet Safar school. Bet Safar actually means school of the book, the book of Leviticus. Uh, also, the book of the Torah. The, the test was on the book of Leviticus. Now, in school, they're going to study the complete Torah. Which is, that's what Bet Safar is for, the, the school of the book. And the only book they had was the Torah, the first five books of the Bible for us, for Christians. But it consists of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Every day they would go to school, six days a week. From age six, when they first start the Bet Safar, to age 12, they were learning about the Torah. In order to graduate from the Bet Safar school at age 12, they needed to be able to recite all five books of the Torah word for word without error. So, that's what they spent most of their time doing for those six years, memorizing Scripture. And when it came time for their final exam, graduation test, they were brought before a couple of rabbis and given an opportunity to show they had what it take to go to the next level. They had to recite all five books of the Torah without error. If they failed, one mistake, if they failed, <coughs> excuse me, they were sent home to learn the family business. They were not allowed to continue on and become a rabbi. There were no second chances. There is no extra credit. There is no come back next year and try out again. It was cut and dry. You had one shot at the test. Pass or fail. That's what you had to live with. So the first cut we see at age 6. Now the second cut is at age 12. Because remember, they only want the best of the best. Amen? Those are the only ones that can become rabbis. The best of the best. Now, if you were able to graduate from Bet Safar, the elementary school, you now wanted to attend basically what we would refer to as a combination of a high school and a college education combined. And this school is called the Bet Talmud. Bet Talmud, or School of the Talmud, the entire books of the Old Testament, including the prophets. But just because you graduated from Bet Safar did not mean you were now entered 
into the Bet Tell Mud? No. Uh uh. No, you had to pass another test to be entered into the Bet Tell Mud. So you had your graduation test from Bet Safar. Now you had an entry test into the Bet Tell Mud. Well, what was the test? You had to be able to pass a test concerning the Torah, the Talmud, the first five books of the Bible. Wait a minute, Brother Bob. Didn't they just pass that test to graduate from elementary school? Yes, they did. But this test was not just about memorization. The actual test, the entry-level test to the Bet Talmud, was to be able to carry on a conversation using the scriptures from the Torah. You had to be able to prove not only that you knew the scriptures and that you could recite them on command, But you had to prove your ability to answer questions about certain topics by using the scriptures to answer the questions and to be able to keep a conversation going by having it centered all around the scriptures. I don't know about you, I still have a hard time getting into elementary school, memorizing the book of Leviticus. But I dare say there's not many Christians today who could even attempt to pass the test to enter the Bet Talmud. Well, Brother Bob, that's what pastors are for. They're supposed to be memorizing all that stuff. Really? You're leaving it to the pastor to memorize scripture to help you out in event of an emergency. Let's say you get that dreaded phone call a little after 2 a.m. in the morning. You get this phone call that says your teenager, someone you love and care for deeply, has been in a serious car wreck. What are you going to do now, Mom? Dad? What are you going to do? You can't go digging through your phone book looking for the pastor's number, although that's what a lot of people will opt to do. You need to have some scriptures, what I call basically preloaded in your memory gun, your memory bank, where you can fire a verbatim quote from scripture directly at Satan himself. Amen? You may be able to quote these scriptures verbatim, knowing what they mean, understanding how they're used, knowing that Jesus honors your words, your faith, In emergency situations. Remember, Jesus used to tell everyone, come to him for healing. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people. According to your faith, be it unto you. Amen. You need to be able to quote these scriptures verbatim at a moment's notice in order to deal with this type of situation. Amen. Anyway, let me get back on track here. This is what the rabbi trainees would have to do. They'd have to prove they had this type of comprehensive ability. They had to impress the scholars. This test could be on any subject. And they would have to use the scriptures to establish their reasoning. It was not an easy test. It was designed to weed people out. Amen. If you turn with me to Luke chapter 2, 
again, Luke chapter 2. Again, we'll begin in verse 41. Ah, (laughs) I can hear in the Spirit some of you already starting to get this. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child, Jesus, tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and then they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass after three days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed also. And his mother then said to him, Son, why have you dealt like this with us? Behold, your father and I have sought you sorrowing. And he said, Jesus, the child, said unto them, How is it that you sought a, that you were looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? You see, Jesus understood at age 12, he needed to be tested. His parents were probably drumming this into his head all the way up to age 12. Now he's brought to Jerusalem, and he says, Here's my chance. Amen. I believe that part of the money that he had received was his parents hiring private tutors for him. Amen. We're going to look at that. Because at age 12, I mean, he'd been told once he was, you know, past the initial test of memorizing the book of Leviticus, they're bringing these uh, tutors in to teach him as if he was in school for the Bet Talmud. They're teaching him, telling him, at age 12, you have to go to the temple. you got to be tested. So now he's age 12, coming up to Jerusalem. And what does he do? He goes, finds out some scholars in the temple to prove that they would recognize that he had the ability to pass this test. Amen. I mean, we know homeschooling costs money. God himself provided the money that Joseph and Mary were going to need, not only to take care of Jesus when they were in Egypt, but to come back and open a business and then hire private tutors to bring Jesus up in the ways of what the other children were being brought up in the rabbinical schools. Amen. And Jesus knew that at age 12, he was supposed to pass a test given by the scholars in the temple so he could go to the next step of rabbi training. I think this is what he meant by the phrase, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? Because see, that verse had always bothered me. But now, with what I'm talking to you about today, it makes complete sense. Amen. That was just one tidbit of revelation for you.
There are more. I guarantee it. Amen. We do not hear any more about or in the Bible about Jesus until we see him coming to John the Baptist at age 30. As we already established before, John the Baptist did not invent baptism. It was a commonplace in this day and time that they actually practiced it more than we do now. If you had any type of social change in your life, marriage, graduation, whatever, you were baptized as a symbol of leaving the old behind and everything forward from now on would become new. Here we see Jesus coming to John the Baptist. Amen. Why is he coming to John the Baptist? Why can't he just go to the temple and get baptized? Well, number one, he wasn't from the Bet Safar, the Bet Talmud school. These guys had no idea where Jesus was coming from. We see that later on in the scriptures. They say, where is this guy coming from? Don't we know his parents? You know, he's the carpenter's boy. We got his siblings here with us. How does he know all this stuff? Because they considered him uneducated. But Jesus, receiving the teaching from the private tutors, now knows at age 30 he needs to become a rabbi. Amen. He's, he's done all of his studies and he's passed the tests. Now he needs to be baptized that he can be a rabbi. And as we already said, John the Baptist did not invent baptism. Amen. So... Here we see Jesus coming to John the Baptist. Why? Well, he's 30 years old, and he's now a rabbi. And he needs to be baptized. And he must be baptized by a recognized spiritual authority in the nation of Israel. Do you remember what the Bible says about John the Baptist? The people held John out to be a prophet sent from God. Huh? Do you remember that? Now that verse makes sense in context of that. The people held John the Baptist out to be a prophet. He was accepted by the people that he was a prophet sent from God. Which means he's anointed by God for that prophetic office, which also means God recognizes his authority, and if he's called and separated by God and has God's authority in that office, he is also authorized to baptize anyone who comes to him. Amen. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God.